Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beyond Sunday at Bethlehem, a podcast created to go beyond the Sunday service experience at Bethlehem Church, exploring some of the deeper questions of our faith, offering additional content from behind the scenes from the cutting room floor. Thanks for joining us. I'm Angela Buckland, and as always, I'm beyond excited to host today's episode. Today, we're featuring a message from an all-staff meeting that we had in June taught by our lead pastor, Jason Britt, called Managing Leadership Anxiety. We as a staff got so much out of this message, and we just know you will too. So without further ado, here is Pastor Jason Britt on Managing Leadership Anxiety. So there are five areas of chaos in the average American life right now as we speak. And by five areas, I mean five kind of cultural boiling points that we're all collectively feeling and we're all aware of at the same time. Think about it. Chaotic things going on in the average American life that we're all collectively feeling right now. There's chaos with COVID-19. A virus nobody ever saw coming and all that goes with that. There's chaos because of that in our financial world. There's chaos in politics, the election year. We're already a deeply polarized country. And then add this on top, 2020, what a year. Chaos in the racial unrest that we've seen and uh, unjust killings of George Floyd. Ahmaud Arbery, the responses, the demonstrations that turned riots, and all the underlying experiences people have. And then you have chaos in the media. What's being reported changes every day and depends on the network or the outlet. Don't, and that's not even counting in social media. None of those factors, those are five factors, chaos COVID, chaos financial world, chaotic politically speaking, the racial unrest, and the media. Five different areas we're all experiencing at the same time. And the 24-7 news cycle and our cont- uh, continual connectivity keeps us all locked in. Now, none of those factors bring into play a person's or a family's unrest and chaos, personally speaking. What do you mean? Like, the, I just gave you five things we're collectively Experiencing This doesn't factor in the gentleman who talked to me the other night who found out, found out his wife's been cheating on him with his boss. This doesn't, this doesn't factor in the phone call I got on vacation by longtime Bethlehem Church members whose wife's been cheating on him for four years. And he's done everything he can do. The husband that's been abusing the wife. There's teenagers that have, you know, gone prodigal in this season. The closet alcoholism that's been exposed because everybody's at home together. So you take all the cultural pain and then you couple it together with people's already complexity, pain, and angst, throw unfamiliarity and uncertainty into it all. And this is very complicated and exhausting time to lead. Much less, I should say, to live, much less lead. You with me? Spiritual leadership is a stewardship. It's not earned. We don't arrive at it. We don't we don't have an expertise at it. We don't get degrees in it. Spiritual leadership is a trust between you and God. And between God and his people. So trust, spiritual leadership. That God's entrusting you and that you trust God, and that God's people trust you, and that you trust God's people. It's a, it's a shared experience. What you find is in seasons like this. The desire for position and recognition and title of being the leader is always something desired, but nobody wants the responsibility of leadership. 
We want the blessings, if you will, the accolades, but not the responsibility. Our flesh wants that heavy blessing, not the heavy load. And in a season like this, it's a heavy load that you're carrying. See, I remember uh, watching the movie, and I watched it a few days ago, and I'd seen it years back, the movie Miracle. Do you remember the 1980 Olympic hockey team uh, beating the Russian national team in Lake Placid nine out of ten times? The Russian team beats that American team. And I remember that's what Coach Herb Brooks said. He was the coach of the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. He says the day before they played him in the championship game in the medal round, the gold medal round, he goes, nine out of ten times this team beats us, but not today. That just fired me up. See, see, how did America, how did that 1980 Olympic U.S. hockey team overcome this Russian team that hadn't been beaten 16 years? They, they didn't out-strategize them. They weren't more creative. They weren't more talented. And I love what Herb Brooks did, if you watch, from a leadership perspective. He knew the only way to beat this Russian team, the Russian national team, was to be as aggressive, be as fast, be better conditioned, and take it to them. Play their own game, not sit back and wait. And that's what the American team did. In moments like these that we are in, if you sit back, talk, think, ponder, try to strategize or reason your way out of it, hold the hope on and make everything work out, listen to me, you're going to get your lunch eaten. In a season like this, you have to raise your level of intensity and passion to the moment that the, that the moment calls for. Does that make sense? That you can't approach this by just going, we're going to out-create and out-strategize. We're going to sit back and talk about it. No, no, no. You've got to raise your level of passion and intensity to meet the moment. See, I think calling is everything in this. When God calls you to something, listen, don't you write this down. When God calls you to something, he's not always calling you to succeed. He's calling you to obey. The success of the calling is up to him. The obedience is up to you. Let me say it again. When God calls you to something, he's not always calling you to succeed. He's calling you to obey. The success of the calling is up to him. The obedience is up to you. See, I believe God called me into ministry. And I believe God's called me to Bethlehem Church. And for me, this is about obedience. And that's what it is. Let me say it again. When God called me into ministry, I knew it was a step of obedience. And for me, this, this has always been about obedience. Any success God has given. There's the story of Samuel and Eli. Uh, and, and Samuel's the prophet that God was raising to speak into the life of Israel. And, and, and when he's a young boy that his parents have committed him, his mom has committed him back to the service of God, and he's in the temple and in 1 Samuel 3, 3 it's, it's, it's just this picture of calling that you see. It's this picture of calling that, that Samuel hears this voice and he keeps going to Eli in the middle of the night. And Eli is wise enough to go, that's God's voice calling in the season. You've got to listen and obey. you got to listen and obey. See, there's different departments of the church in different roles. But if you're in a position where you're actively leading people and you aren't sure this is where you're supposed to be, you're called to this, and this is what you're supposed to be doing, this season's only going to get harder and more frustrating. There's always a sense of calling, that God's calling us to something. And if you're in a position that you're leading, you're not sure that's where you're supposed to be, and you're not sure you're called to be doing this, this season only gets more harder. But if you're sure this is where God has you, and what, what God wants you to be doing, yes, yeah, seasons like this are tough. 
But this season about is about obedience, which is taking the next step forward. So, so let, me, let me say this to this staff. We're going to be as clear as possible, but we've got to say yes and then let's just roll. We're going to keep taking steps forwards, not sure what the outcome's going to be, but our picture of success may be pre-COVID. We've got to remind that could have been an idol and God's always called us to obedience. This season's about obedience. Listen to me. This season's about obedience. It's about taking the next step. And in this season, if if you do this for anything else, a picture of success, an th- image you have in your mind of what it should be, and not first and pure and foremost an obedience, this season will take you out. Issues of your heart and calling, listen to me, are not issues between you and I, or you and Brad, or you and Pylon. Staff, listen to me. The issues of calling are between you and God. If this is where you called, if this is where God called you to, then this season's about saying the next yes. We're just going to take the next step. We're just going to take the next step. We're going to be obedient. Why? We're obedient. God determines the level of success. And maybe at times the things we've called success really weren't. We just liked them. Right? We just liked them. Now, what we don't talk about enough because in our modern leadership landscape, we've got books, we've got blogs, we've got experts. Leadership is almost all, what we don't talk about enough is leadership is almost always intuitive because leadership situations are fluid and dynamic. So there's principles, yes, but every, every situation when you're leading people is fluid and dynamic. They're all different and they're multi-layered and it all depends on the context or the, context, the, the context you're in. Couldn't get the word out there. It depends on the context you're in. Now, I'm raising my hand in a season of uncertainty where we have a lack of control. The leadership dilemma control freaks struggle with, and I can own it, I'm a control freak. There is often a gap between not knowing what to do, but needing to do something. The leadership dilemma control freaks struggle with, here it is, is there's a gap between not knowing what to do and needing to do something. And this gap is one of the most uncomfortable places to live because a leader feels immense internal and external pressure to do something, but they're not sure what to do. And that gap, that gap between knowing I got to do something, but I don't really know what I need to do, that gap is where anxiety is felt. That gap is where fear is felt. That gap is where childhood trauma and personal demons uh, emerge. In that gap of knowing I got to do something because I'm the leader, but I'm not sure what to do, in that gap, the story we tell ourselves hijack our thoughts. Idols are revealed and exposed. See, listen, anxiety is highly contagious. COVID-19 is not the only thing highly contagious. Anxiety is. Not only culturally, but you can't compartmentalize it into areas of your life. It affects all your lives all areas of your life. So three things, and again, I am speaking from what I'm learning in the season, emerge when there's a gap between not knowing what to do, but needing to do something. Because the leader makes decision and people follow. But what if you're in a season you've never been in, you're not really sure what to do, what you can do, or what it will look like, but you know you got to do something because you're the leader. Three things emerge. One, people run from it and they give up leading. They're just like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. It's just not for me. Two is they fake it and they pretend he or she knows and end up leading from a place of hypocrisy. 
So what do you mean? They just act like this is the exact right thing. This is what God told me to do. I know. And when it doesn't go the way they thought, they blame others instead of owning it. It's called hypocrisy. I know what to do. It's going to be unbelievable. I need you to trust me. You know, I've done this long enough in ministry where the people, the whole, the whole God told me. It's funny when God told them, but it doesn't work out the way they thought it's somebody else's fault. That's called hypocrisy. Saying something, putting a mask on like you know. So you can fake it, pretend like you know what you're doing, and you leave from a point of hypocrisy. Or here's what I'm learning. You can develop a capacity to mind the gap. Stephen Cuss in his book, Managing Leadership Anxiety, talks about this. It's helped me immensely in this season. Develop a capacity to mind the gap. You get to know and begin to lean into all the things that are going on inside of you when faced with not knowing what to do and needing to do something. What do you mean? Know the feeling, know the emotion of it, and instead of running from it, instead of faking it, lean into it. Now, listen, in this season that we're in, not only... Is the gap between not knowing what to do and needing to do something, there's an emotional context of leadership as well that we're playing in hyperdrive. Because leadership always involves one other person, in our case, many others. So, so what, what do you mean? Not only am I managing the feeling I have between knowing I'm the leader and I'm responsible and I've got to be clear and make a decision, but I'm not exactly sure what to do. So that's the, that's your own personal anxiety that you're managing. But what you got to realize is when you're in a leadership position, in uncertain times, leaders are always managing two levels of anxiety under the surface. And let me speak to it because this is what I've had to learn. I'm always managing my own personal, and I'm also managing the people I'm leading, yours and theirs. You're always What you feel as a leader that other people don't is you're always managing your anxiety and theirs. Always. As surely as the sun rises every morning, leaders will face, and they're facing now, situations they're not sure what to do, and they're leading people who don't know what to do. That, my friend, is the emotional wear and tear of leadership and why everything everybody thinks they want the position, the accolades, but the weight of the responsibility wears you down. Let me give you some examples. Just get real, real practical here. Take away COVID-19. Let's just talk about life. Have you ever gone into a meeting dreading the conversation you needed to have, and so you played it out in your mind obsessively as if manic worried, worrying about it would help the meeting? Let me say it again. Have you ever gone into a meeting where you're like, I don't want to have this conversation, but I got to? And so you played it out obsessively as if manic worry would help the meeting. Let me tell you what you were doing. You were in that moment managing your anxiety and what you felt like was going to be theirs. Have you ever led a meeting and stepped in on a landmine and you didn't even know that it existed? You ever been in a conversation or led a meeting, you stepped on a landmine, so you, you set something off in somebody you didn't even know was there. And suddenly, your well-intentioned leadership has turned into hurt and feelings of misunderstanding. All right, so now you're managing, what did I do? But you're also managing their emotions. Have you ever struggled to focus on the person in front of you because your mind was elsewhere? My staff didn't need to say anything to that. Obviously, that's never been my issue. But some of you probably have struggled with that. Have you ever struggled to focus on the person in front of you because your mind was elsewhere? It's you thinking about something else in your mind that you feel like is yours to manage as well as managing the situation in front of you. Have you ever brought a previous situation into the present? 
You ever done that? Brought a previous experience into the present? That's all part of managing leadership anxiety, the, that you're always managing what's going on in you, but you also know there's the same emotions you are having and things you're feeling other people are feeling and you're responsible to them or you're responsible for them, I should say. These aren't personality quirks. These aren't Enneagram number profiles. This is an example of leadership anxiety, yours and theirs. And here's the thing that really helped me. It's the thing that, that I had to get. And never heard anybody put it in terms like this, but probably a year ago I heard a guy say this, and it stuck with me because this is what was going to be my story if I didn't understand it. I would argue that burnout in leadership has less to do the majority of time with the workload and more to do with the internal and external leadership anxiety. So let me say it again. The majority of the time, I'd argue, burnout's got less to do with the workload. You're overworked and it has more to do with the constant internal and external leadership anxiety that wears people down. Over and over over and over, like water on a rock, that under the surface tension of managing your own personal questions and anxieties along with the others wear you down. Few pastors blow their life up because they're overworked. Most guys have years and years of emotional unhealth and unhealthy mechanisms to cope because they're always managing leadership anxiety. Managing your anxiety and theirs in uncertain seasons can be even more problematic. So what do we do, right? And, and the, the complicated thing is I'm a leader, so I think whenever there's a problem, what do I do to fix it? So we want to be able to fix leadership anxiety. What's the solution to ridding ourselves of it? Because think about it. If you're out of shape, what do you do? If you're out of shape, if you're overweight, exercise, eat right. Problem, solution. In debt, get on a budget and stop spending what you don't have. Problem's debt, here's the solution. If I'm sick, get medicine. Problem, solution. So when it comes to managing anxiety, don't do what I initially did in the early days of leading. Simply look for relief. I had to learn. What do you mean by relief? I was just trying to, if I could get to this next spot, then that feeling of uncertainty would go away. I had to learn. Listen to me, and I want you to hear me say this. I had to learn leadership anxiety is an opportunity for me to connect fully with God and to raise awareness of what God's doing in me and in the moment. I learned anxiety was an early detection system that I was depending on something other than God for my well-being. So let me say it again. When I deal with my own anxiety and other people's that I'm leading, what I had to learn was, listen to me, it was an opportunity for me to connect fully with God and raise my awareness of what God was doing. There was a sense in this This was out of my hands. And I had to get comfortable with that. Leadership anxiety is generated. Here it is. When we think we need something in any particular moment that we can't get, but here's the funny thing that you don't actually need. I just said a mouthful right there. Leadership anxiety is generated when we think we need something in any particular moment that we can't get and that we don't actually need. I need something I don't have and I can't get it. And because I don't have it, I can't get it. That's where my angst and anxiety, my internal worry and frustration comes from. I need to know the answer, right? Because I'm the leader. I need to be, but I don't have the answer. 
but I actually don't need to know the answer to be the leader. You see it? I need to be recognized, and I can't control that I'm not recognized and respected. And if, if they would just recognize and respect me, then things would be better, which actually that's not the truth. I think I need recognition or respect in this moment that I don't actually need. In this moment, I need credit to be remembered for the work I've done because then if I had that, I wouldn't feel this way. In this moment, I need to be liked and I need approval. If I can just get people's like and approval, right? And then, 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 then I won't feel that. But actually, you don't need people's like and approval in this moment to, to take that. But we feel like that's what we need. I need to be in that meeting. Maybe you work somewhere and you don't feel like you're in that meeting. If you were in that meeting, then everything else would be okay inside of you. I need to be understood. And if I can just be understood, then everything else. Uh, we, we have these things that we think. What happens is with leadership anxiety, I need this. And if I can get this, then all will be well. When actually, you don't need that for all to be well. I need people to laugh at me, to think I'm funny. For me, I need to preach the best sermon ever. And if people say it's the best sermon ever, then, then that'll relieve the tension that I have inside of me. And four years as a pastor is what I wrestle with. For four years as a pastor, I wrestle with that. I needed the church to be at this place. I need the staff member to, I need to get this staff member. I need the budget amount, right? If we can just get there, if I can get there, then this anxiety will go away. But what I had to learn and when you feel like you need something that you don't actually need, what that actually is, and I've got to learn that leadership anxiety is an, exact, is an opportunity for me to fully connect with God and to raise awareness of what God's doing. I wanted relief from something God wanted me to engage. See, I, I've talked about this on stage at Bethlehem. I think anxiety is our broken world, and our broken world is God's way of, uh, of getting our attention because we're so busy we don't want to stop. Galatians 5, Galatians 5, 24, 5, 13, Romans 7, 18, Ephesians 4. Paul repeatedly talks about killing off the flesh, dying to the flesh, right? Over and over again, the New Testament teaches that's what we're constantly dying to. The battle with anxiety is a battle of the flesh. See, we like to categorize pride, lust, envy as, as sins of the flesh, but those are false gospels. And so ultimately is anxiety is a false gospel. It's this thing that I feel like if I can remedy some way outside of God. Thomas Merton and, and Brennan Manning channeled Brennan Manning channeled Thomas Merton years later. They referred to it as the false self. Pete Scazzaro in his work, Emotionally Healthy Leadership, calls it our shadow self. And that our shadow self, our anxiety and, and this feeling that I that I gotta have this <laughs> in this moment to get through. That's the shadow of ourself. And what I had to learn, listen to me, church, and what I continually have to apply comes down. It sounds a little slang, but it makes my point. Am I smoking what I'm selling? Let me say it again. I had to come down to the point in my dealing with leadership anxiety where I had to ask, am I smoking what I am selling? You with me? We are gospel people. The gospel is Christ in me. It's the hope of glory. The gospel is Jesus in my place. There's nothing I can do that makes God love me anymore. There's nothing I do that makes God love me and me left because of my faith in Christ. The core of the gospel is I've taken, I've taken my trust off of myself to save and deliver me and placed it completely on Christ. So when I'm anxious and tired, I tend to forget the gospel power because I'm resorting to what I think I need that I don't actually need. Do you see it, church? In fact, 
Listen, listen, Steph, I just wrote this little simple thing out in my prayer journal that Jesus died, which is the gospel, that Jesus in my place, he took my place. Jesus died so I don't have to blank anymore. Fill in the blank. What do you mean? Jesus died so I don't have to seek approval anymore. Jesus died so I don't have to preach the best sermon anymore. Jesus died so I don't have to be liked by everyone anymore. Jesus died so I don't have to be recognized like I think I should. Listen, we're in a hard season. We're in a season of hard living and hard parenting, and marriage can be more difficult in this time. The words unprecedented are getting old, but honestly, what it means is we're all unfamiliar with these times. So listen, church, let me translate. Anxiety, leadership anxiety is hard. Unprecedented, unfamiliar times, it only elevates. But you've got to understand that there's not, it's not, for us in spiritual leadership is God's way of drawing us into a new and fresh dependence on Him. It's God inviting us, God in our broken world, in our leadership paradigms, when we're managing yours and theirs. Listen to me. We have to remember this is an invitation. It's not going to go away. For unfamiliar situations, decisions to be made that I'm not sure what to do, I'm not sure how it's going to turn out to do, all of those things, they're not going away, and they're only elevated in this season. So what I'm learning is this is hard. But listen to me. Being in a hard place with God is way, way better than being in an easy place without Him. Listen, being in a hard place with God is better than being in an easy place without him. Well, that was awesome. It was a great message to hear. We know that so many people are struggling with this sense of anxiety, this uncertainty. We are faced with so many decisions on a daily basis, and we are always uh, unsure and uncertain of what to do and where to go next in these uncertain times. So I hope that that message blessed you as much as it blessed us as a staff. Remember, that was uh, our lead pastor, Jason Britt, with Managing Leader anxiety. We will see you soon here at Beyond Sunday at Bethlehem, and we hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time.